0: Hello and welcome to Decarbonize, the clean energy podcast from Fresh Energy. Fresh Energy is a Minnesota nonprofit working to speed our state's transition to a clean energy economy. My name is Joe Olson, I do communications here at Fresh Energy, and I'm joined today by a few folks from the Fresh Energy team. Welcome to Michael Noble, Fresh Energy's Executive Director, Justin Fay, our Public Affairs Director, and Anna Johnson, Policy and Public Affairs Associate. We're all here today because the 2021 session of the Minnesota legislature is nearly upon us and there's already a ton happening behind the scenes. So our plan is to take the next 45 minutes of this podcast to dig a little deeper into our expectations and dare I say hopes for the session. Hello, Michael, Justin and Anna. Hi, everyone.
1: Hi, Joe.
0: Hey, thanks for being here. Um, okay, so before we start talking about the 2021 session, is there anything that you want to say about the 2020 legislative session and the subsequent special sessions to set the stage for our conversation today? So, Justin, do you want to start this conversation off?
1: I'd, I'd love to. There's really, really so much we could say about what happened in 2020 and what what that experience of the last year has been like. It, it really could be its own episode of the podcast quite easily. Um but I, you know, I think the 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 2020 session was going to be challenging under any circumstances. Um, Minnesota had and um, still does have the only divided legislature in the country, and that creates a really unique political environment for trying to um, move big policy ideas and negotiate deals and um, accomplish, you know, accomplish big good things for for Minnesota. Um, that that all of that is true when there is not a pandemic, <laughs> um, and so the uh, emergence of uh, you know COVID-19 um, pretty much smack dab in the busiest part of the session in March, uh, when it really sort of took root in Minnesota, um, uh, was fully disruptive um, to the work that we were trying to do and to just the work of operating the the state and the legislature. Um, and so you know the 2020 session, frankly, was disappointing in terms of what what got done, and I. I don't know that we would have accomplished massive victories without the pandemic, but it certainly didn't help having everything shut down and then sort of partially reopened remotely. Um, and it really changed how we went about doing our work, and, and you know, made it more difficult to connect with lawmakers. It made it more difficult to connect with partners and other stakeholders. Um, and those dynamics are all still there, and I think, uh, you know. Uh, the one silver lining I would point to is I think having struggled with those things in 2020, um, we're better positioned to navigate a virtual session in 2021 and that um, you know, I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that we'll be able to um, engage effectively and, uh, and, and move the ball and, and that the state leaders running the legislature will be able to do it in a way that's efficient and transparent and inclusive and um, allows for you know, work to get accomplished.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, 20, 2020 was obviously a very difficult and unexpected time for everybody. Um, and I think, Justin, you make a really good point about the remote session. Um, there was a certain learning curve in terms of everyone getting their feet under them, learning the technology, um, figuring out how committees were going to operate. Um, but now that those precedents have been established, um, I think it will be a little bit more accessible, even if it is remote in 2021, that it, than it was in 2020 for the public to participate.
1: It, you know, I think the other thing that's important to to remember that was like really different about 2020 was um, the legislature convened in special session every month um, between the end of the regular session and now. Um, in fact, as we Go to press on this podcast. Uh, where you know a, a December special session is is um, is imminent, um, or by the time you listen to this, perhaps just happened. Um, but uh, uh, there is some work that has happened um, since the end of the regular session, and that uh, includes a, a proposal that Fresh Energy was very involved in. That uh, came out of the Department of Commerce um, to uh, dedicate some uh, or appropriate some dedicated energy money uh, from a a resource called the Renewable Development Account, uh, which uh, is funded by Accelerate Payers um, to support uh, innovative energy projects, clean energy and efficiency uh, as uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul and other communities um, rebuild from the civil unrest uh, in the wake of the killing of George Floyd uh, earlier in 2020. Um, it was a really important bill for us. Um, we actually had a hearing on it in August of all times um, and that uh, didn't result in a, an agreement getting getting brokered uh, but we you know, uh, had a pretty significant impact on the conversation and I think are in a position to be able to uh, leverage those funds for some really good work in, in 2021 as a result of that. Uh, uh, yeah, I think the other a big highlight from the interim was the bonding bill. Um, I don't, Michael. Did you want to say anything about uh, the opportunities and the accomplishments that we, we saw in bonding this year?
3: Well, I, I, the fact that we had a bonding bill was amazing. Uh, it passed, uh, I think. If correct me if I'm wrong, but in the the, the final special session before the election, so mid October, perhaps it passed. And uh, you know, bonding bills are special legislative beasts because it requires is it 60 or 66% of the votes uh, in both bodies? 60. 60% of the votes, so not 51%, but 60%. So by definition, bonding bills are bipartisan because both uh, 60% of the Democratic-led House of Representatives and 60% of the Republican-led Senate has to agree with a Democratic governor. And lo and behold, they did. So um, I was impressed with that, that uh, it was in everybody's, political self-interest and and everybody's um, you know d- doing their job to get a bill out and they did and uh, there were at least three big things that uh, fresh energy cared about quite a bit and um, just want to give a shout out to uh, bonding chairs in the in the house and the Senate uh, who made that happen uh, 55 million dollars was appropriated to the bus rapid transit uh, which is, Uh, uh, a a transit innovation that Minnesota is doing more and more of uh, uh, high quality uh, buses on dedicated uh, routes uh, with um, more consumer amenities and ease of on and ease of off and fewer stops. So it tries to work like light rapid transit, but it's a bus. And I predict uh, based on advocacy work, Fresh Energy and other grassroots have been doing over the last two years. I predict those buses will all be electric buses. Uh, that's not in the—it's not in the bonding bill, but it's certainly in the pipeline and the discussion at Metropolitan Transit. There was also $116 million that was uh, put up for affordable housing, and close watchers of Fresh Energy know that we uh, did a series of uh, podcasts and advocacy uh, positions this year that all affordable housing should be highly energy efficient and all electric and carbon-free, that that's doable and practical and in the long-term economic interests of the people who live in those housing units. And one delightful thing that I I personally lobbied uh, the committee chair on was electric vehicle charging in the bonding bill. And although it's modest, uh, $2 million uh, was appropriate in the bonding bill for um, electric vehicle charging at state-owned facilities. So, Senate committee chair Dave Senjum uh, put that in and actually texted me on the day the bonding bill passed, said your provisions in there.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you. Does anyone else want to add anything to this before I move on to even going even further back in time? All right.
1: <laughs> let's okay, keep the let's- time travel going.
0: Okay, so rewinding even further back to 2019, when Governor Walls announced the One Minnesota Path to Clean Energy, a package which includes a historic proposal to achieve 100% clean energy statewide. However, we have had two years of inaction from Minnesota's divided legislature. Is this initiative setting the tone at all for 2021? Michael, I'm sure you've got some feelings here. Do you want to share?
3: Well, uh, this, this is the flagship uh, proposal uh, from Governor Walls, and this is uh, at the top of Fresh Energy's legislative agenda this year again. We're founding partners in the 100% Campaign Coalition, which uh, folks can check out online and get updates from. Uh, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to be asked by Governor Walls to stand on the podium uh, with him when he rolled this out. But in the last two years of no action, uh, The most amazing thing is how much momentum there is behind this idea. Uh, All the people who ran for president of the United States on the Democratic side were jockeying for leadership on clean energy. And uh, Joe Biden, who is the uh, uh, president-elect, ran on a platform position of 100% carbon-free electricity everywhere in America, not by 2050, but by 2035. And no state has yet passed that uh, 2035 100% standard. So Minnesota, being uh, geographically well positioned for renewable energy, you know, we should be a leader. Uh, If Joe Biden is arguing that it's going to be 100% renewable energy in Georgia and South Carolina and Texas and uh, 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 Alabama and, and West Virginia. You know, Minnesota uh, obviously is going to have an easier time economically and politically uh, to tap into the vast renewable energy resources available to us. So we, we uh, want to continue to ask our House and Senate leaders and our governor to continue to press on this. Uh, you know, this timeline uh, acceleration is, is in, in our mind. The governor's uh, 2050 uh, had no benchmarks for performance earlier than that. And we're starting to very, very seriously look at the question of, you know, every 100% clean energy standard has to cross 90% at some point. And uh, we'll talk about this later in the podcast, but uh, we're starting to study very, very closely how quickly can the known technologies that save money, how quickly can we deploy those to cross the 90% clean energy threshold.
0: All right, um, let's see. Anna, do you want to fill in a little bit of uh, information here around the just transition?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, when we talk about a just transition, we mean, you know, we both need to establish clear pathways into clean energy for all Minnesotans. Um, and we also need to look out for workers that are being displaced as we transition away from fossil fuels um, for electricity. Um, it's really important that our policies and language related to implementation are really intentional to, to do this. And that it lifts up all Minnesotans and um, especially you know, communities that are majority black indigenous and people of color have been systematically cut out of economic opportunities across the state and across the country. Um, and they, those communities really should benefit from the clean energy transition.
1: I, I think that's such an important part of the the work that and the perspective that Fresh Energy brings to this issue. I appreciate you raising that, Anna. And um, I think the only the thing I would just add to this conversation is just to kind of uh, reinforce and I guess repeat that the you know the the politics are so challenging on this. Um, you know, we worked really, really hard uh, to bring folks together across a divided legislature the last couple of years. Um, uh, we have a very similar political climate coming out of the most recent election that we had the previous two years. And, um, you know, I think our fresh energy is uniquely situated to be um, in the middle um, and to be a convener and an entity that, uh, a center of gravity that does bring people together. And we're very committed to doing that work, but it's really hard um, and there's a lot of there are a lot of forces just in society in politics and the public discourse right now in our country that uh, that work against that um, and that uh, but you know that's that's the work that we do that's um, Michael and Anna that's why we all get paid the big big bucks right um, is to uh, really dig into those hard problems and um, looking forward to taking a big crack at it again in 2021
0: All right, yes, back to 2021. Um, So a few weeks ago we heard about committee chair assignments. Are there any that especially catch your eye when it comes to clean energy? And speaking of committees, are they going to be meeting in person? How will Fresh Energy staff and lobbyists be plugging in this year? Justin, what's the plan?
1: Um, Still, you'd think after 10 months I would know how to use my mute button, right? um you know the 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 expectation is that uh at least at the outset the the 2021 session is will be primarily remote um it, it's not totally clear yet uh what degree the house and senate are actually coordinated on that or have a sim, similar understanding or similar understanding of what that means um i think for fresh energy we're, we're we're planning uh ahead for what it looks like to have an all remote session and um are prepared for that uh have our plans in place for how we're going to deploy ourselves and engage and use the right technology and do all of those things that we need to do to, to be effective. Um, yeah, so I think it's a, it's a unique set of challenges, but we're ready.
3: So Great. one interesting uh, development in the last uh, 10 days was when uh, the two uh, senior Northern Democrats uh, left the Democratic Caucus uh, to become independents. Uh, they were rewarded by uh, Senate Majority Leader uh, Paul Gazelko with committee chairmanships. And uh, that created a game of musical chairs in the Minnesota Senate. And uh, ironically, Fresh Energy was a beneficiary because uh, the bonding committee chair, the very prestigious bonding committee, uh, I mentioned previously was chaired by uh, Rochester Senator Dave Senjum. And uh, Rochester Senator Dave Senjum, um, um, I guess, had very candid conversations with Majority Leader Paul Gazelka, and the bonding chair is now uh, independent legislator Tom Bach of Cook, Minnesota. So the good fortune for Fresh Energy is that Senator Sinjam is now the Energy Committee Chair, and what's good about that is that uh, we know Senator Sinjam quite well. Um, I actually personally have traveled to uh, Germany to study the energy Venda energy transition in Germany and. Uh, I've gone once or I think twice, maybe I've gone and, but Dave Senjum, Senator Senjum, I think has gone uh, eight or 10 times. Uh, so he's quite conversant in uh, renewable energy and wind power and solar power and electric vehicles and uh, climate policy. Uh, he He's basically steeped in it and now it's his jurisdiction and he's excited and he's already reached out to us. so. Uh, and I, I'll have to reinforce what Justin says about hard politics, is that as as interested and passionate and uh, concerned about the energy transition, Senator Sinema is. You know, he needs to bring along a whole caucus who isn't as closely tied into the subject. So, I'm, I, I'm my job, my personal job is to be his ally and his uh, source of information and. Um, supporter and encouragement, and uh, help help uh, Anna and Justin and John Burns and the Whole Fresh Energy team uh, create some political space for him to show leadership and get the Senate Republican Caucus to do bipartisan deals with Governor Walls and and the House.
2: Yeah, I think we're all really looking forward to working with Senator Syndrome. Um His counterpart on the House side is Representative Jamie Long from Minneapolis. Um, noteworthy, you know, change in the name of the committee. It used to be the Energy and Climate Committee, and it's changed to the Climate and Energy Committee. Um, and Jamie Long is, you know, he's worked on climate issues throughout his career, um, including with Congressman Keith Ellison. He worked for NRDC in Washington, D.C. And with a, you know, a very strong climate activist, Senator Sheldon Whitehouse. Um, and he's a real problem solver and a subject matter expertise and expert. And um, we're yeah, we're looking forward to working with him.
0: All right. Thank you. So Fresh Energy is working really hard to help transition Minnesota to cleaner transportation options. Finalizing the Clean Cars Minnesota rulemaking process and developing policy that incentivizes cleaner fuel options are of course still on the table. Anna, can you give our listeners the scoop on what the 2021 session could look like for clean transportation? Will there be more hand-wringing over clean cars or will federal changes make this less contentious?
2: sure yeah just so just to set the stage um, for clean cars it was proposed by governor walls early on in his um, in his term and it has been stalled a little bit in the last several months because of the global pandemic and um, staff being tied up working on obviously that important and critical issue Um, but we are expecting the draft rule to be coming from the mpca sometime this winter um, which we're we're really looking forward to Um, the senate has made it clear that they do not support clean cars and proposed language throughout the 2020 session and that showed up in different bills including the environment and natural resources trust fund bill Um, And we expect them to maintain that position in 2021 and potentially use it as a bargaining chip.
1: Well, and I I just wanna, I guess just add, throw in two cents and just, I think um, we talk a lot about, um, I'm already sounding like a broken record, talking about how hard the politics can be. And I, but I I will just say on this issue in particular, I think it's challenging um, in, two years of the previous legislature, um, you know, M- Michael referenced a uh, $2 million appropriation for the state <laughs> that was in the bonding bill. That that appropriation um, sounds small, but it is actually the entirety of the uh, electric transportation accomplishment uh, from the previous legislature over in two years. Um, so uh, the bar is regretfully very low uh, for the legislature on this issue heading into 2021. Um, but there's uh, it's rife with opportunity um, you know we have uh, electric an electric bus manufacturer a major one in located in Minnesota um, we have uh, a vibrant regional transportation agency we have um, you know a, a strong consumer demand locally for uh, electric vehicles uh, for for individual consumers and I think um, a, you know a lot of potential to do significantly more than what we've done
3: so my hope would be that, uh, cooler heads could prevail on this issue. Uh, uh you know, after the, uh, election of president elect, uh, Joe Biden, uh, a couple, maybe even three now of the major car companies have, uh, decided to stop fighting with, uh, the federal government about clean cars and make a deal, uh, rather than, uh, sue, sue the federal government or sue, uh, 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 California, they want to make a deal with California and make a deal with the incoming Biden administration, uh, you know, you would hope that that would tamp down the uh, opposition uh, everywhere. Uh, maybe uh, clean cars doesn't have to be blood sport politically in Minnesota. If uh, the federal the federal government and the, and the national car makers are warming up to each other.
1: You know, I think even thinking beyond like clean cars, I think there are some opportunities that uh, might be more emerging issues that we uh, will have opportunities to work on in 2021. Um, you know, one, one that comes to mind is a, a policy called the Clean Fuels Initiative, uh, which is uh, based on a, uh, another, uh, a different state policy uh, that's been done in a few other places, commonly called a low carbon fuel standard. Um, And really, it's about uh, uh, creating a market that, um, uh, you know, incentivizes uh, fuels based on their like the relative concentration of carbon, or ideally lack thereof. Um, That uh, is a major win for electrification. It's a major win for locally sourced, sustainably produced biofuels, um, and a net loser for the petroleum industry. And that's, um, that's the kind of transition that we need to be um, thinking about and wrestling with in Minnesota. Um, and uh, that's, uh, it's an, like I said, it's an emerging policy concept, but um, I think something that we, we see that has a lot of potential. And um, I encourage folks to keep your eyes open and watch www.fresh energy.org uh, for updates on it. How's that for a plug, Joe?
0: Shameless. I love it. All right, if we're ready, we can move from transportation to buildings. Uh, Buildings are a major contributor of air pollution here in Minnesota, and we need the building sector to produce cleaner, more efficient buildings. Justin, you're on a roll. Why don't you talk a little bit about buildings and how we can work toward this in 2021?
1: I'm just so excited about working in 2021, Joe. it It was painful time traveling to 19 and 20, but now we're back home where I belong and it just feels great. (laughs) <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you know, I think buildings uh, that this is sort of a little bit of a pet becoming a pet issue of mine. Uh, you know, the, the building sector uh, is woefully under prioritized by folks who care about the climate. Um, and when you really just stop and think about it, um, you know, the science and the general consensus is that we need to be, uh, you know, at net zero for emissions by mid century. Uh, but the average building uh lasts for you know 50 to 100 years you we don't build buildings to last for 10 or 15 years and so we're building buildings today knowing that they're going to have to be rebuilt or significantly retrofitted in order to meet the goal that we have for 2050. we're all we're we're still contributing to the problem and making it harder to do what we need to do every day and uh uh, a, a policy that uh, we're very excited about uh, and have been working really hard on is uh to ex- further explore how we can leverage the state building code on um, specifically energy code uh, to to drive down emissions and solve this problem of building new buildings that are not actually good buildings and the code is uh, uh a really simple way to think about the code for the purposes of this conversation is that it defines the legally worst building that you can build in the state. That's, that's what the code does. And it, it, it's not only about energy Um, codes are really, really important for safety of the property, safety of the workers, um, consistency, uh, and industry standardization. Um, So it it serves a lot of different purposes, but um, when, uh, you know, it, it, for, for from a climate perspective, it sets the floor and we have got to raise the floor because the buildings that we're building now are not going away anytime soon. And so it's way cheaper, um, way more cost-effective, way better for the climate in the long run to build buildings correctly the first time. Um, and we're very, very excited to see just this week um, or maybe last week, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, um, the Department of Labor and Industry at the state level uh, released a a set of recommendations from their department um, that uh, were heavily informed by a a stakeholder convening process that Fresh Energy participated in um, early in 2020, um, that uh, we should have a goal as a state of uh, reaching net zero for all new commercial construction no later than 2036. Um, and that sounds like it's a long time away, but it's really not in the life of a building. And uh, it's a really important game-changing opportunity for us that we're gonna um, work really hard on and um, um, support the good work that the folks at Dolly and the, and the Walls Administration are doing uh, to try and get that done.
2: Yeah, I, something that I just wanna to add to is that for any given city, the majority of of carbon emissions come from a combination of transportation and buildings and they tend to be about equal parts, transportation and buildings. And so creating, you know, creating a more stringent code and updating it more frequently to to create higher standards is also an important part of cities being able to reach their ambitious climate goals that they've set for themselves. Um, because we have one basically standard Code across the state and um, cities, you know, need need some tools in their toolboxes to be able to achieve those carbon reduction goals that they've set. It's
1: a, it's a really great point, Anna. I think um, this uh, a lot of the the political capital and wherewithal around this issue uh, in the recent, especially recently, has been coming out of cities um, and real leadership from. Um, you know, and maybe not even always from places that you'd expect. Um, it's really uh, uh, cities around the state, places not you know, you know, Minneapolis and St. Paul probably won't surprise folks, but Rochester, Duluth, um, and a number of suburban communities have been um, pushing on this. And um, you know, cities don't have a lot of uh, they have a lot of tools in their toolbox, um, but not so much in the building sector. And um, so pushing on the uh, cities, pushing on the state um, to think more ambitiously has, um, been a really important development. And, um, I think we've seen now recently it's producing results.
3: You know, I want to high five a colleague, uh, uh, Ben Rabe on our team. Uh, he is the only full-time employee of any Minnesota not-for-profit organization who thinks about energy efficiency in the built environment and new buildings, uh, all day every day. Uh, uh, not to brag, but fresh energy is the point of the spear on energy codes and has been for many, many, many years. Uh, we have at least one generous donor who really highly prioritizes that and uh, other donors are welcome to join with them. Uh, but uh, this victory at uh, Minnesota Department of Labor and Industry and Minnesota Department of Commerce and Governor Walls is also a fresh energy victory. Uh, we've been toiling in the building code vineyards for years and this is a right on our wheelhouse and right in our expertise.
0: I bet Ben Rabe's ears are burning right now. Um, so let's dig a little bit into energy efficiency and what we can do around the huge potential in that area. So I know we've discussed over the years ways to modernize Minnesota's Conservation Improvement Program, also known as SIP. Anna, what is on the table for SIP this year?
2: That is a great question, Joe. So the Eco Act was has been developed over the last couple of years. Eco stands for Energy Conservation Optimization Act, is that right? I've said it so many times I can't even remember. Um, and there has been a ton of work that's gone into developing this policy. Um, it has a huge, huge, broad coalition of supporters, including every single utility in the state has signed off on it. Um, and, and that passed out of the Senate Energy Committee and the House Energy Committee last year. Um, it did not receive a hearing on the Senate floor but we are hoping to tackle this and and get this passed as early as possible in the session to clear the way for other um, clean energy bills that will be coming down the pike.
1: It's a it's a really it's a really is an important policy for uh, for fresh energy and and um, uh, it's such a no brainer. Um, I think I'm going to channel my inner my inner Michael Noble for a moment. Uh, you know, the, the cheapest electricity available is the el- electricity we never use um, and it's, it's so fundamentally important to um, having a, a system uh, for our state that is both uh, uh, clean but also cost effective um, that we really maximize and wring every little bit out of efficiency that we can. And um, this legislation is really about, you know, it's modernizing, uh, I think, uh, Joe, I think you used that word in the intro to the question. That's exactly the right word. It's about modernizing that program to make sure that it reflects where the industry is, where the technology is, where the utilities want to go, um, and making sure that um, both, both regulators and utilities have the tools uh, to run efficiency programs um, You know, in, for, for the world as it exists in the 2020s. Uh, and that's just it's so, so important.
0: All right. Well, thank you. Uh, so no pressure, you guys, but I think we've saved one of our most important legislative goals for last to discuss. So the clean recovery, green recovery, call it what you will, is a really hot topic right now. So what does this mean for Minnesota, especially around Fresh Energy's work to ensure that all Minnesotans benefit from the clean energy transition? Michael, this kind of seems like a you question. Do you want to kick us off?
3: Well, I I think that... Uh... A lot of Minnesotans uh, are, are, are talking and gathering in dialogue, uh, um, part of a, a stakeholder process uh, right now. Uh, thinking about what would Minnesota's priority strategies be if there was a federal economic stimulus or federal economic recovery legislation that would be, you know, part of a uh, President Biden's budget and his first initiative in United States Congress. Uh, you know, how do we have as much of that be green and clean and climate uh, related uh, as we jumpstart our economy, get back uh, on track? Uh, Minnesota has opportunities. Uh, you know, I'm not going to in on the uh, probabilities or the prospects of, uh, you know, who is running the United States Senate or um, what are the possibilities of a bold uh Uh, economic recovery action or what fraction of it might be clean and green. But uh, I know it's a top priority for the incoming president of the United States. So Minnesota is preparing and fresh energy is at the table, helping to prepare what we would do with that. But, you know, actually another thing uh, much closer to home is that the Minnesota Public Utilities Commission has asked all the electric companies, uh, the investor-owned electric companies, are there investments that you need to be making that you could speed up? As part of a economic recovery, and uh, we are part of a important discussion, and a, we call it a docket uh, at the Minnesota Public Utilities Commission about that very subject. Uh, you know, might there be two or three billion dollars worth of investments that the power companies could have made over the next four or five years that actually makes perfect economic sense to make them in the next eighteen months? Uh, uh, that too is a tool of government and, uh, I admire, uh, you know, Otter Tail Power and Minnesota Power and Xcel Energy, you know, having stepped up to the plate and, uh, brought some thoughtful proposals forward, uh, you know, accelerating, um, clean energy investments in response to the economic crisis that we're in. And I, you
1: know, I think, um, I- it, it really is amazing to think about some of the potential and just like dream on the possibilities a little bit um, while Michael's talking, but I think one of the uh, Really encouraging things of the uh, for where we're at and particularly looking at the incoming administration at the federal level is um, you know They set really ambitious goals for um, decarbonization and you know we talked about the hundred percent by 2035 but uh, they also baked in a really, really thoughtful um, and specific set of recommendations around justice and just transition, and um, you know, in, uh, in, you know e- equity and inclusion um, being central to how they're going to approach clean energy and climate. And I think uh, there's a lot of there's a lot there that uh, we, and when I say we, I, I, I guess I just mean Minnesota. Um, we should be learning from and um, trying to, you know treat view as a menu of opportunity uh, of ideas and concepts that we can bring in to inform the policies that we're we're developing for uh, our state level work here in Minnesota and that uh, includes and especially including and especially the 100 percent legislation and thinking about um, you know as we implement that um, how do we make it a win for everybody um, and I think that's uh, that's really a, a really fundamental challenge and, and opportunity for 2021.
0: Thank you, Justin, Michael. Um, So for everyone, a big general question before we close the podcast. Anything that you would like to add about the 2021 session that we should be looking ahead to that we haven't already discussed? Michael, do you want to go first? I know uh, you have some thoughts here.
3: Well, I I think we've said this, but uh, our new strategic framework, uh, which is rolling out, uh, you'll be seeing and hearing about it uh, in the next several days we're going to be talking about it. but what's at the center of the framework is ambition. And what we mean by ambition is uh, making the change changes at the pace and the scale and, uh, of the problem, you know, the, the, the incredible urgency of action and uh, speed. Uh, so we're calling on the legislatures to have ambition and to have urgency. And uh, the other thing Justin's just spoken about is we have to do this in in a way that doesn't um, make economic and racial disparities uh, more problematic than they already are. So we have to close those gaps rather than widen them. So uh, that is going to be our our watchword at the legislature is ambition and equity and inclusion. And, um, uh, you know, the test is real, can... Minnesota do big things in a bipartisan way? Can our Republican Senate, our Democratic House, our Democratic governor, uh, Paul Gazelka, Melissa Hortman, Tim Walls, can those leaders lead Minnesota uh, in this energy transition that all thoughtful and sensible people agree is needed and inevitable? Uh, I call upon our leaders to lead.
0: And I think that is a fantastic note to end the podcast on. Thank you so much, Michael, Justin, and Anna for giving folks listening some insight into what is coming in the legislative session and what clean energy could look like in Minnesota next year. So thank you all. Have a great afternoon. Um, And for our listeners, you can stay up to date on Fresh Energy's work via our blog at fresh-energy.org or follow us on social media. I believe Justin is planning to have a Deeper Dive blog post up on the website uh, during the first week of session. Correct me if I'm wrong, Justin. Uh, So stay tuned for that. Uh, In the meantime, thank you, everyone, for listening and subscribing to our podcast. You can support Fresh Energy's work by making a donation today. Visit our website at fresh-energy.org and click Donate in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.